Isaiah 61 says he actually came to bind up our wounds. In Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not walk around. He actually came to me. And the scripture says that I wasn't half dead. I was all dead, Ephesians 2.1. So God embraced this dead corpse and made this dead corpse and made it alive again in him. And that because I didn't even know how to get to Jesus, Philippians 2, Jesus took on the form of a servant and he brought me all the way to his father. But even getting to the father was not enough. Because if you're before the Father, you can't on your own stay before the Father. So Hebrews 9 calls Jesus our great high priest who makes forever intercession for us, which means he gets us to the Father and he keeps us before the Father. Jesus is the way and he's the way maker. He's the access and he's the accessibility. Praise God for the mercy of Jesus. You know what time it is. Time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two knucklehead pastors in New Mexico are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. I'm Matt Hensley, the pastor of Mayhill Baptist and managing editor for Lifeway Pastors. And I am Kyle Bierman, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Alamogordo and director of Replanter Development for the North American Mission Board. And together we bring a combined 31 years of ministry experience to the table, and we still mess up time and time again. You finally got it out there. I'm, I'm proud of you. Good job. But this episode is sponsored by none other than Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. You got to hear a little treat from one of their chapel messages because Southwestern is all about preaching the word, reaching the world, and in our opinion, are the absolute pioneers when it comes to faithful text-driven preaching. And I think the only seminary that was going to allow me to graduate. Uh, but we encourage you to visit swibits.edu. That is swbts.edu after the show. In fact, their little slogan is the sun never sets on swibits. And so you could say that the sun never sets on NAB podcasts. You could say that. Um, you, you, you do say that. Yes. But some people have self-control, Matt. Not, not me. Not you. Yeah, maybe that's because they read Drew's book. Your future self will thank you. Uh, yes, they, they, perhaps they did. And meanwhile, I'll get you a dictionary. Uh, but today we're back <laughs> with Drew for part two of our look at his book. And so, Drew, let's let's dive right in on the second part. Why do people often view self-control as restricting rather than liberating? Mm, yeah, I think it's got a bad rep, uh, especially at our particular time uh, and moment, just because I'll bring it up to people and they kind of groan or sigh. I think a lot of people realize they have some you know, work to grow in this area. So that's part of it. But then just like culturally, self-control is something that sounds kind of weird and repressive and Victorian almost, right? Because <laughs> we're much more about self-expression. Um, and you just think of all the, you know, the movies and, and, and sitcoms and Usually it's someone who is, um, you know, following their dream, uh, you know, over and against other people's uh, uh, wishes or something. Uh, it's not usually stories of restraint, right? So I think that there's a kind of, uh, it's got a bad rep, which is too bad because they, the truth is self-control is exactly the opposite of restricting and confining. It's ultimately what allows us to live a life of freedom. So, I mean, if you, if you decide, I don't know, today to go and, rack up your credit card buying things 
Uh, that's fun in the short term. Um, but of course, down the road, your interest rate's going to go up, the bill's going to come due, and your options are going to get narrower, right? So that's kind of a, a principle that applies to almost every area of life with self-control. Exercising a little bit of discipline today is going to make your life better down the road. And uh, that reminds me of why I ran for so long. And I, I still run each, each day, but not nearly as much as I did. Because exercising the little discipline in the morning to get out and run 10 or 15 miles meant that I could go to Golden Corral and have absolutely no self-control whatsoever <laughs> uh, at the buffet line uh, because I burned all of the calories in the morning. I'm sure that's exactly what you have in mind there. Exactly. That's just smart. <laughs> one bad habit, or one good habit, canceling out a bad one. Yeah. I mean, it's like having a, you know, going to McDonald's and getting the, you know, the Big Mac and, and supersized fries and the Diet Coke. Everything balances out. They're exactly. The Diet Coke takes care of everything. And I'm congratulations to to Matt for like completely missing the point of what Drew was <laughs> was trying to say. Because, you know, what we're what we're getting to is what is the ultimate purpose behind self-control? Why why? You, you know, it opens up freedom, all of that kind of stuff. But what's the ultimate goal behind having self-control? Well, yeah, as a Christian, I think we have to say the ultimate purpose of it is to glorify God and to love others. And that, I mean, I, I read a lot of secular research when I was writing this book, and it was helpful in some ways. But a lot of the especially popular books on this topic emphasize, you know, power, success, and people are encouraged to develop discipline to pursue whatever goal they may have. And those aren't always good goals. If you just want to earn a ton of money or, I don't know, get totally ripped so you look better than everyone else, you know, whatever the case is, um, as Christians, we have to kind of check that and go, okay, ultimately, this is about glorifying God and loving others. Um, and then self-control becomes especially crucial because it is a foundational virtue. If you don't have self-control, you can't be faithful to your spouse. You can't be generous because you're going to blow everything on yourself. You know, you need to cultivate this virtue in order to love others and to glorify God. So that's that's kind of the ultimate purpose, I would say, for self-control. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so let's talk about habits for just a second, uh, because you'll talk about the, the necessary, or why it's necessary to recognize the power of, of habits. Mm -hmm. And so uh, let's talk about, I guess, first of all, the power of habits, and then how we can build those, uh, build good habits, or, or I think what you call righteous habits into our lives. Yeah. Well, I'll start backing up just a, a step behind that and talking about willpower. So willpower is just kind of the emotional energy that you need to withstand temptation or do something difficult. And about 20 years ago, researchers found out something fascinating about willpower. And that is they found out that it's finite, that there's only so much of it. It runs out. It gets depleted rather quickly. Study after study has shown this. When you've done something really difficult, you're far more likely to give up or succumb to temptation right after that. So the, the, the takeaway there is, first of all, you want to preserve it and be aware of that. I think of my own life. Sometimes when I've had a really difficult day at work, I'm more likely to maybe snap at my kids or be a jerk to my wife because, and I'm not trying to excuse myself, but my willpower is depleted and there's not a lot left over for the kind of difficulties of, of family life. So that's where habits are so crucial because a habit is an unconscious kind of pattern, something you do just automatically. And the beauty of a habit is it doesn't take willpower. So the best way to use that limited willpower you have is to initiate new healthy habits in your life so that once they're set in, in place, you can just kind of be on automatic. 
Like the guy who gets up and runs five miles every morning, he's not slapping himself in the face and going, okay, I got to do this. Come on. I just got, it's a habit, right? He just gets on his shoes, goes out and does it without really thinking. And of course, this applies to your spiritual life too. If it's just your habit to open God's word every day, to be in prayer every day, um, you're not expending a lot of willpower um, because it is so ingrained in your life. And that's ultimately, and it may sound like, well, does that even count if it's just something you're doing automatically and you're not really you know, using your volitional will to do it? I think so. I think that's, that's what good character is, is when righteous behavior just becomes automatic in your life. And that's the ultimate goal. And, and, and I think that uh, everybody that listens to this podcast already knows that I'm very weird. Um, <laughs> but if, if there was still anybody listening to this that had any doubts about that, one of those habits, because you touched on, you know, having a stressful day at, at work, coming home, snapping after kids. And as silly as this is going to, to be, uh, one of the habits that really helped me in, in a time of my life when ministry was very stressful, work was very stressful, all of that. And I was coming home and, and really it was my first few minutes at home was just unloading everything that went wrong and all of that on, on my poor wife that right. had no business carrying that. And uh, so, so I preface this that I'm sorry in advance for any shred of credibility that I had before I tell this. But what I did is I would pull into the driveway and I had a conversation with my steering wheel. Hmm. And before I got out of the car, I just talked to it. And I said, hey, all of these problems I'm leaving right here. Blank, 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 blank. I let them out, you know, whatever specific issue I was having. And then that was where I left it. And I said, I'm going to pick you back up tomorrow. And and it went in. And every every day I had to just remind myself to do it. As silly as that sounds, because even me saying it right now, it, it made perfect sense back then, but right now it just sounds awfully silly, but, but it helped me go in, in a completely different frame of mind because I'd already unloaded on the steering wheel. It was going to take all the issues and I could go in and just spend time with Rebecca and not have to worry about it. And I so that, that. Became, That's great. that, that became my habit. And so I didn't really think about it anymore. And so any, thankfully I actually parked in the garage during this time. This was back when we had enough self-control to keep our garage cleaned out. <laughs> uh, now we no longer have that partially because we have four daughters, but uh, you know, I can't imagine what anybody would think, you know, if they were in the driveway next to me and seeing me having this conversation with my uh, steering wheel, maybe I was on the phone, uh, speakerphone, but, but anyway, it worked for me and it was a habit and it just became, that was just what I did before I got out of the, uh, the car and it helped me go in with a different frame of mind for Rebecca and it completely changed how I related to her during that time. And we shared on the last you know podcast about making those decisions essentially before. Uh, and, uh, and, and as you were talking about the whole, is it spiritual if it's, you know, just a habit or whatever? Um, you know, I was counseling one of our, our guys at the church a while back and, uh, he, he said he just isn't really enjoying, um, reading the Bible right now. Like he's just struggling with it. And, uh, my encouragement to him was just read it, you know, pick, pick it up and, and read it even, especially perhaps when you don't want to, and just keep that habit going. And, uh, and then as you're praying, ask God to, to give you that love for it and, and to develop that hunger for you more. And, uh, just doing the things that we know we're supposed to do that may take a little bit of self-control on the front end, 
may kick back in and become that habit that it's just what we want to do, like getting up and running five miles or getting up, having coffee or your case of being Kyle, getting up and forgetting to ask a question. I mean, we all have those habits and they become a part of our life. And uh, when we can make those habits, righteous things uh, that that might not include Twitter, uh, unless your first thing is to open up Twitter to find Bible verse of the day. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the the only way that one's probably going to be righteous. But uh, I think you shared on the last one of setting that Bible there, uh, because I, I can't speak for Kyle, but that's the first thing that I grab uh, mainly to turn off the alarm. But then, you know, I'm opening up the phone, seeing all the texts that I got from Kyle and Jonathan Howe overnight. And then I just jump right in and if, if I don't take that time to pause and be like, nope, this can wait, I've got to spend time in God's word and prayer and so forth. Uh, that's, that's why we need those righteous habits in our life, uh, because they have a cumulative effect. Yeah. Getting up and, and running five miles tomorrow uh, isn't going to make you healthy. Getting yeah. up and running three or five miles every day for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, then you're going to be healthy. Kind of right. the same thing with with the word of God. And so uh, right. we've we've talked about self. You know, we've talked about getting up early. We've talked about running. All, all of, we've we focused a lot on ourself. Uh, I want to shift just a little bit to to God. How how does the grace come into all of this? How does God's grace enable uh, self-control? What role does God play in all of this? Yeah, good question. And I think on the surface, some people might assume that self-control and grace are sort of opposites or antithetical um, because, well, if we have, you know, if we're forgiven and God continually offers forgiveness, why do I need to control my behavior? Because I can always get that forgiveness. And of course, the Apostle Paul anticipated this objection. He said, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? Heaven forbid. Absolutely not, right? Depending on what translation you use. Um, so yeah, and, and, and one thing that I found interesting in the research um, was what researchers call uh, the what the heck effect. And basically that's, they look at dieters and when a dieter is on an eating regimen and has an indiscretion, like eating one piece of pizza or a candy bar, something small, what follows that is usually a full on binge. They just lose it because they go, what the heck? I've, I've already messed up. I'm just gonna go crazy. And, and I've already ruined everything anyway. And you'd think that guilt would fuel better behavior, but it does just the opposite. There's another phenomenon they call the fresh start effect, and that is the tendency for people's behavior to improve when they perceive that they have a blank slate or they're starting fresh, right? This is why we try New Year's resolutions or why maybe on a birthday we start a new regimen. Um, and, and that got me thinking because I thought as Christians, of course, we have the ultimate fresh start from God, right? When we're adopted into his family, we're forgiven. And when we mess up, as we inevitably do, we can continually come back and get that forgiveness. So instead of that, you know, encouraging license to sin, that actually becomes the fuel. Grace is the fuel for um, self-control. And so I encourage people, you know, it's a struggle. You're going to mess up. Uh, even as you start to try to initiate new habits, because initially it's really difficult. Uh, or if you're trying to, you know, defeat a besetting sin in your life, you're going to mess up. But the answer is to never wallow in guilt and beat yourself up. And you know, those accusing voices in your ear, like, ah, oh, you're never going to change. This is just you. You're going to keep messing up. Um, that will actually sabotage you. But you need to keep turning back to God's grace, internalizing it, believing it, and that will actually improve your self-control. Yeah. 
Um, so we ended last week's uh, episode, first half of this episode, uh, by just kind of giving our folks something helpful and practical as we begin to wrap up here. So what are some strategies for growing self-control in our lives, especially in the midst of this culture that we've developed where there's always a distraction oh. and, and normally, you know, a little, a little six inch screen that they can, that can distract us. So, so how are some ways we can um, develop self-control in the middle of this chaotic life that we've created? Yeah. The, the, all the technology that we have really does present a unique challenge in our time that Christians in the past didn't have to, to worry about. And I think it does a couple of things, you know, first of all, it makes temptation more available. Lust, you know, sins of, you know, looking at illicit images is literally at your fingertips now. Same for if you have a gambling problem or a shopping problem. The internet kind of facilitates all that. And then aside from just making temptation ubiquitous, um, it also just distracts us constantly, right? And the, the statistics on this are just crazy. The average American looks at a screen for almost 11 hours a day, checks their phone 150 times a day. Um, and so what that does is it kind of shrinks our attention spans and it keeps us continually distracted. And then things like di spiritual disciplines, like prayer, like Bible reading become that much more difficult and community. So, um, you know, one thing that I've found, there, there are a few things that I outline in the book, but I'll just mention um, one thing is to use what uh, researchers call a bright lines strategy. And what they mean by that is just establishing a hard and fast rule in your life when it comes to your use of technology. So. A bright line strategy might be, you know what, I'm not going to look at my phone after 7 p.m. Um, one thing my family does is uh, we do no screen Sunday. So it's a kind of a, a tech Sabbath, right? Um, where And we don't always succeed in doing it. And usually I'm the worst offender. Um, but um, just, yeah, no cartoons, no iPad, no phone. And man, we don't always do it. But when we do, it's a little slice of heaven because you're looking at each other in the eyes. You're having that time with your kids. And it's appropriate, too, that you're doing it on uh, on a Sunday when you're going to church as well. So it's Sounds terrible. <laughs> I know. You're like, itching. where's my phone? Yeah. How, how um, do you entertain your children without just, you know, giving them like a Kindle? Here, go watch. <laughs> Here's a Kindle. Yeah. Go. <laughs> how did I my hair? How do I mean, you know, raise mine, kids but... before iPads? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it, we've just got to find ways to uh, put boundaries around our lives so tech doesn't just inundate it. Uh, because it really is tough to live the Christian life and to be a deep, reflective person if you're continually distracted by your, your smartphone and your computer. All right. Well, Lee Strobel says, few books have the potential to change your life as much as this one. And so it sounds like it's something that people need to uh, pick up. If they want to pick this up, uh, where where can they do that, Drew? Oh man, I'm gonna send them to Lifeway, right? That's better You're than my Amazon, hero, right? My, yeah, my boss is grateful for you. There you go. And Jeff Bezos of Amazon yeah, doesn't need the money, right? No, no. So, yeah, well, I don't know. Now send your money to Matt instead, but yeah. through Lifeway. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Lifeway is a great place to pick up a copy, uh, either at a physical bookstore or just online. Amazon has it too. Uh, super grateful. Again, if you get a chance to read it, reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you think. So, so you could say that Lee Strobel made a case for self-control. Ooh, nice. Why didn't I Kyle, use that? Yeah. I'm actually <laughs> impressed by that, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
your, your bar of expectations for me is so low, Matt. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> well, as you head to Lifeway to, to pick up uh, Drew's book, we also encourage you to check out csbible.com after the show for more information about the Christian Standard Bible, the, the Bible that Matt and I both use for our devotionals and preaching in our churches, a uh, translation that is accurate and readable. We love it. Our folks love it. And we encourage you. I read it too. I'm not just jumping hey, on the back. Andrew does too. All right. There you go. That's, That's right. on my nightstand. Well, what we need you to do is say that because of the last episode, you started reading it. So then they think that we got another fan. That's what we needed from you. But you, uh, you converted me. Yes, that I like that much better. That my future self. See, that's what we should have done. The future self was going to have you adopting the CSB in between the last two episodes. That would have been powerful. Yeah, yes. powerful move of God, yeah. because we are the official podcast of the Word of God. There and go. uh, so, you know, we've we've got to hang our hat on something because there's not much else Kyle can hang his fedora on. Uh, but we encourage you to now hop off the train until next week. We're grateful you took the time to listen in today. And if you haven't, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. You can also visit us online at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. Kyle, send us out. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night, but not too much. Exercise, self-control.